electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put it in context. Call me 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. You know what this rally reminds me of? This move, Dow surged 2,113 points. S&P soared 9.38%. And then NASDAQ poll voted at 8.12%. Bye, bye, bye! It feels a lot like 2008 when Congress approved the bank bailout, only for the stock market then to start crashing not long after. Sell, 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 sell! Just like TARP, the Troubled Asset Relief Program, bulls are betting the COVID stimulus pa- bill will pass and pass on the second vote. But here's the problem. We've been in the worst bear market I have ever seen. We have been down endlessly. <laughs> The proprietary S&P oscillator I follow keeps registering a minus 20 reading, making this the most deeply oversold moment in the history of the oscillator. When you get that level of negativity, uh, endless, endless, endless. You know what you get? You get a coiled spring of a market. You can easily snap back with a vengeance. It's typically based on short sellers ringing the register to close out the positions. Remember, just like if you were owned a stock and it kept going up, 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 you might want to take profits. And it goes down, 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 down. You might want to take profits if you're betting against it. And look, it's very bullish that Congress seems to be making progress on the bill that will keep companies from going under, not all of them, but many, and put money directly in people's hands. Very positive. It would be really good if America can go back to business like the president wants. Hey, we know it happened. It happened in China and South Korea. Why not here? Well, there's one sticky issue. When exactly are we supposed to do this? Now, I'm hearing rumblings that April 12th could be the day. That could be ill-advised. I want an end to this lockdown as much as anyone. But as I told you last night, there's a lot we need to do before that can happen, which is why I thought the June 6th day, D-Day, was more realistic. Why? Because we're in the middle of a pandemic. That's why. We can't be open for business until we've taken the necessary precautions. We need to build out the capacity to test everyone over and over again. 
We need enough ventilators and ICU beds to handle everyone who'll need them. Letting this virus burn its way through the whole population, well, it's not a reasonable solution. They tried it in Italy. It didn't work here in 1918. It, it won't work now. It just doesn't work. It's just not a sound strategy. I'm confident that the stimulus bill will pass. And when that happens, we take most of the financial worries off the table. I want to hear more CEOs make the pledge that Kevin Johnson of Starbucks made. He's going to keep paying his employees for the next 30 days, even if their stores are closed. I'm urging every CEO to take that pledge. But regardless, thanks to the stimulus package, there's going to be plenty of money sloshing through the system. Positive. Checks will soon be in the mail. Good. People won't go broke. Great. And boy, oh boy, that is eventually so bullish. The market is going to anticipate it. Some of that is what you saw today. So why do I have reservations then about ending the lockdown in a few weeks? Look, I recognize that we're taking a big economic hit. It's horrible how big the hit is. But honestly, I think we're going to take a hit either way. You can't just push a button and restart the economy. Remember, business started falling off a cliff before the lockdown orders. As long as people are terrified of getting sick, reasonable, it'll be very difficult for business to bounce back strong. That's why I keep advocating aggressive efforts to get the pandemic under control first. Once the outbreak has peaked, once we can, get, we can quarantine those who are most likely to get seriously sick, including the elderly, once we have enough ventilators and testing facilities, and yes, absolutely, let's reopen for business, let's crush it. But because we're so behind on ventilators and ICU beds and testing infrastructure, I think April 12th might be premature. That is not a harsh judgment. It's just an observation. COVID won't even peak by April 12th, the back-to-business date we have been hearing about. It's too soon. I know every single day we go unleashing the consumer is a day where the whole plumbing of the economy is at stake. But that's what we count the Treasury Secretary to protect us on with that $500 billion that he might have to be able to leverage up and help the industries that need it most. I think the people who want to go back to business as usual ASAP are treating the coronavirus like it's a bad cold or, 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 or the flu. It's much worse than that. Since when do you need a ventilator when you get the flu? We need to mobilize to beat this thing. We still don't know if we have the pills that can protect us against the worst symptoms of the disease. We can't even get rapid test results. Other countries are doing this. We should be able to do it, too. I'm still getting lots of people who tell me, I've been waiting for my results. I've been waiting for my results. Well, that's not right. When we have testing set up and get instant results and our healthcare system can handle the influx of new patients, game on. Until then, though, why put an April 12th gun to our heads unless we get miracle of miracles? And then I'm game on then. That's why the stimulus bill is so essential, because it will tide us over until it's safe for people to go back to work. Sadly, we're not there yet, and I still expect a slew of big bankruptcies, simply because we haven't developed a quick change in the bankruptcy code. A COVID exception, which I'm willing to work on and develop, and I will over the next week, is what we desperately need. A COVID exception to the code, because the code's really pernicious. Which brings me to today's market. Just like sell-offs, not all rallies are created equally. A good rally lets you in. It doesn't make it chase like this. It doesn't make it pile on on top of an already shaky base, quicksand. A good rally is one that's stair-step. Goes up nicely. People don't believe. Then flat lines. Goes back a little. Goes up. You get it. A bad rally, an unsustainable rally, is like a one-day mini bull market. A run that gives you all the gains that you had and you had to be in yesterday. Consider it a geyser. It went off. But it might not go off again for who knows how long because this sure ain't old faithful. It's machine-driven. I despise machine-driven rallies more than I hate machine-driven declines because we with the declines, I can take advantage of it, get your price, uh, your cake and eat it. So what happens next? After this kind of rally, the analysts who will come out tomorrow and say that the selling was overdone, that we're back in business, 
and say you should buy? Well, I don't know. I'm, what you go, Illinois Torx was up 19 today. You want to come on top of that? Stanley Black & Decker up 18. Ooh, that, I can't wait to get that. You want to pick up some Constellation brands, which zoomed 18 points? How about FedEx now up more than 25 points as reported that quarter where they couldn't even forecast the future? Is that the kind of terra firma you want to come on top of? Oh, you know what? They're, they're going to point to Nike's great numbers after the close as evidence that you have to come in. Am I saying sell the rally? Absolutely not because I have faith that we will eventually prevail over the pandemic. Like with TARP, though, I think the prospect of waving a wand full of money just won't be enough. As the people were too scared and too unwilling to potentially put our lives on the line for the economy, the way the people in Milan were premature in sounding the all clear, what would make me more bullish? I want to see something new from Washington, something that will allow companies that can't pay their bills to make it to the promised land, the real promised land where the virus has been beaten and we're not afraid of boarding a plane, going to a birthday party rather than that weird Zoom birthday party we held last night at the summit. There will come a time when we won't have a one day or there will come a time where the rally will actually be sustainable. This was not a sustainable rally. Let me tell you what we told the members of the ActionAlertsPlus.com club this afternoon. See, we sold some shares in companies that may be seriously impaired by the interregnum. We want to be ready if our COVID numbers go up, and I'm certain that they might continue to go up and that this thing is more at the beginning than the end. Bottom line, we don't want to buy something and then find out we're in Milan, not Beijing. A market that doesn't give you a chance to get in is a market that won't give you a chance to get out. If the bear returns, I want to go to Rand in Mississippi, in uh, Missouri. R- show me, Rand. Hi. Rand in Missouri. Rand in Missouri. Hi, Jim. Thanks for your concern and compassion for all of us during this horrible nightmare. You really are a calming force in the eye of the storm. Thank you. Thank you. My question for you tonight is about the company Rite Aid. Back in 2017, you really liked this company, and then came the Walgreens failed merger, right. and the stock plunged. Recently, the stock is doing quite well. How do you feel about investing in this company now? Well, there were Thank a lot you. of people betting against the company, and that's really why it went up. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a blueprint for what happened today in the stock market. And, you know, to me, what that says is better to go after CVS. I heard Larry Merlot being interviewed today by Sarah. And, and, and by the way, Sarah, the painting is beautiful. OK. And I, I thought that it was such a compelling thing. My travel show says that Larry's doing such a good job at CVS. Let's do that. And how great it is also. I mean, earlier today when we saw uh, Dr. Fauci, wasn't that terrific? I love Dr. Fauci, captain of his basketball team at Regis. OK, let's go to Charles in Ohio. That's a great high school. Charles in Ohio. Charles. Booyah, Jim Bob. How are you? I am good, man. What's going on? Man, you know, just living a dream. Thank God I still have my job. I feel horrible for all the people that don't. Don't you? I mean, you know, that's what we're trying to do when we took the Kevin Johnson pledge with our restaurants. You got to tide people over. Let's go to work. All right. So I started using Robinhood four months ago. been watching you every day. I'm happy to say it's been a good experience so far. Oh, that's you know. fabulous. That's fabulous. Um, I appreciate, first off, I appreciate everything you do. And now to the business. I recently bought a position in Campbell's against Robin Hood's recommendations. I feel like today it might have found a bottom. I'm not sure. All I know is I go to the stores and Campbell's soup is as hard to find as toilet paper. Is it ever? Is it ever? I, I do prefer Hormel because we had them on, and that's a great growth company, to Campbell's, which has been undermanaged. But this new guy is a very good manager. I like what he said. I can't wait till he comes on the show after a decent interregnum. Uh, but I do feel that uh, you got a good idea, and I'm glad that you got started in this market. Sometimes we're going to look back and say, this was the moment. 
It just wasn't the moment today. It was the moment yesterday. Oh, not all rallies are created equal. That's right. A good read, it's like 1984. It's like the movie, it's like the book. It's still a good read, by the way. Orwell holds up. Uh, A good rally lets you in. It doesn't make you chase. What we saw today was not that. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, as the ability to communicate virtually becomes more and more important, I would talk to the CEO of Skyworks about how it's helping companies manage the challenge. Then, as averages head higher today, is this market any closer to finding a real bottom? How about we go off the charts? And it's come and seen a 300% increase in demand for software as more companies work from home. I'm talking to private player Bluescape, and i got to tell you, you're going to love that story. I suggest you stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Time to circle back to some of the tech stocks that have melted down over the past couple of months. Take Skyworks Solutions, long a favorite, SWKS, maker of radio frequency chips, found in all sorts of devices, but especially smartphones. In late January, Skyworks reported a true blowout quarter, phenomenal guidance. I kept telling you it was one of the winners from the 5G wireless buildout. Then the coronavirus pandemic got going, first in China, where Skyworks has a major presence because of the Chinese manufacture of a lot of phones. Then the stock got hit even harder when the virus spread all over the world. Wall Street realized the 5G cycle would be 
delayed as we head into a global recession. About three weeks ago, Skyworks bit the bullet, lowered its forecast for the next quarter, giving us a 5 to 6% revenue haircut and 8% earnings haircut. Now things uh, get uh, always get worse because uh, after the, today's rebound, the stock is still down 32% from the highs. So you got a question. Is that an overreaction given the fact that some stocks like a Boeing are up gigantically on just any good news? Let's take a closer look with Liam Griffin. He's the president and CEO of Skyworks Solutions. Get a better read on how his company's handling this difficult new era. Mr. Griffin, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Great to uh, talk with you today. Too bad we couldn't talk in person, but hey, it's the stay-at-home world. Yes, it sure is the stay-at-home world, which brings me immediately to Skyworks. We've all been Zooming. Uh, we've all been doing uh, these kinds of collaborative work. And uh, people keep asking me, well, what would matter? Why do we even need 5G? I have seen more herky-jerky Super 8 film like when I was a boy in 1964. And I got to wonder, when we got 5G, whether Zoom would actually look like real, real photos and not this craziness that we have now. 100% agree. I mean, you, you and I talked about the digital traffic jam three or four years ago. And at that time, we talked about the networks being compressed and taxed and digitally clogged. And we're seeing this today. I mean, it's great that we're seeing the network interfaces and the data traffic and the ability to do what we're doing, but we're nowhere near where we're headed. We've got a long way to go in 5G. We've got incredible Wi-Fi technologies coming. And I think this coronavirus situation is very difficult. It is a challenge. It's a big deal. But I think the technologies that we're working on in our ecosystem with partners like Verizon and infrastructure players, and even the Chinese. We're all coming together to make this work, but it's a real indication of how necessary these applications are to the economy. You know, it's funny. I was trying to figure out, you were always telling me, Jim, 5G, 5G, 5G. I now think, I remember before we had high def, we never knew that our picture wasn't any good. We would watch the Eagles beat the Patriots, right? And sure enough, what would happen is it would look terrific. And then suddenly we got HD. And now if we see the old days, we're like, is that what we were watching? It seems to me that the switch from that way to HD is not nearly as important as from what now we have to 5G. Yeah, that is it. And, you know, the fact is, as much as 5G is going to be tremendous and it's going to bring a tr- an, an amazing architectural shift to our economy and to our to our markets in general. But uh, it's still not here. It is here in, in certain areas, Jim. The rollout has been somewhat delayed here due to coronavirus, but we're going to see a bigger uptick in the second half. We're working with the marquee companies, largely U.S., China, going into Europe, uh, and we're seeing some great technology. They're going to launch. It's just delayed right now. And I think that's where we're going to see the quality, the experience, the bandwidth upside that we've been talking about. And that will happen. Well, you know, it's fun. I've been trying to figure out with this huge rally today, what really has staying power? And the answer is something that has secular growth. There are a lot of stocks today, whether they be minerals, whether they be oil stocks, a lot of the stocks that involve machinery. Those, when they report, will be what you had to do, you pre-announced. And we're going to try to figure out whether we should still own them. Yes, maybe we get lucky and we have a Nike, which did well. But I think everyone's going to disappoint. So then you have to say, who is just delayed? And that there's a promised land. To me, 5G may be unbelievable in the second half this year and in 2021. It's ineluctable. It's unstoppable. Most people do not have giant waves to surf on. I have to believe that 5G is not a six-month phenomenon. 
It absolutely is not. This is a multi-year thematic move. And the interesting thing right now is that, you know, people today are clamoring to get the technology. The issue that we have on the, what manifests in the demand weakness is really come about by a supply shock, Jim. Mm. It's the supply change in Asia and other parts of the world where folks couldn't go to their factories and work. And it creates a delay. But we don't think it's perishable. We think this 5G technology is absolutely going to launch. And some of that demand that did not get executed in our Q1 or our Q2 will move forward into the back half of 2020 and certainly into 2021. So we see this as a pause more than a complete deep dive in B. So we think things will come back. Well, we are getting reports from Kevin Johnson, CEO of of Starbucks, where business is almost entirely back to normal. We had some good news about Nike saying, look, China's really starting to do well. I have to believe if we were some of your factories in Skyworks in in non-Wuhan or maybe even Wuhan, that we would see start starting to see many people come back to work. Yeah, no, absolutely. And fortunately for Skyworks, uh, we got a great team. We've got 7,000 people deployed globally that are doing a great job today. But a lot of our stuff is here in the U.S. We have Gelling Marcinite Fabs in the West Coast. We have Fabs in Boston making this happen. And the reason why that's important is it, it, it really shortens that supply chain. And it allows Skyworks to do some things that are very different and very unique. We have a platform approach. So when we address 5G, it's a Sky 5 platform that can be very different for each customer, configurable, crafted. You can't do that if you don't own your own factory. So in a, in a world where the data is moving around and we see bits and bytes, hardware at both ends, at the transmit and the receive side is really critical. So we're focusing on that. And we think the opportunity is going to continue to grow. Now, we had uh, Verizon on last week. We know that a yes. lot of the Chinese phone companies are back in business. Where are we with cell phones? Is that just going to be a very big goalie and you're going to have to take a lot of pain if you want to wait to when they come back? Yeah, you know what I think, and I saw the Verizon uh, gentleman, on your, the CEO on, on your show, and he's talking about a 20% upside in data traffic. Vodafone just, just announced a 50% increase in data traffic. So if you look at how this works, the smartphone is kind of, the, that, that's your quarterback. That's your mm. quarterback. They're doing a lot of the work. But think about this IoT space, right. machine to machine, autonomous driving, security, all these interesting applications that are really emerging through 4G, 5G, and higher speed Wi-Fi. It's creating a new experience. And if we look at what we're doing with, our, with the young people today, the millennials, I got three kids. They're all FaceTiming here behind me. Right, right. And it's just a whole new world. But in a, in a way, I think there's some real positive thematic changes that we can capitalize once we get through this challenge with coronavirus. Well, I'm absolutely certain that Skyworks is maybe, as we've been saying over and over again, the single best way to invest in, a long, in this long-term theme. That's why, Liam, I'm so glad to see you. That's Liam Griffin. He's the president and CEO of Skyworks Solutions, long a fave from when it was five. Good to see you, sir. Thanks so much, Jim. Take care. Be safe. Bad money is back after the break. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Could this be the turning point? Did yesterday mark the bottom? Not so fast. Look, this is an incredibly emotional moment. We don't want to give it into emotional decision-making. That's often bad decision-making. Whether it's despair on the way down or euphoria after dramatic rebound, both are bad for your portfolio. So we need to take our feelings out of the equation. And the best way to do that is by taking a more quantitative approach. That's why tonight we got a special treat. We're going off the charts with Tom DeMarc. He's the legendary head of DeMarc Analytics. DeMarc is a titan of technical analysis. He's created a host of indicators that are named after him. We've mentioned some of these before, and he served as a consultant for some of the biggest, most successful hedge funds on earth. When I left Goldman, I was told this is the man to follow, and sure enough, he still is. A lot of technicians treat interpreting the charts as an art. DeMarc has spent decades formalizing his system into something more that's like a science. Most importantly, DeMarc's methodologies give him an almost godlike sense of timing. During the debt ceiling crisis in 2011, he called the market's collapse months ahead of time, and his price target for the bottom was only a point away from the actual lows. Hey, get this. He nailed the top in Bitcoin in 2018 perfectly, and then did it again with the bottom in 2018. I can go on and on. The credibility is huge here. So what's DeMarc's assessment right now? First off, his operation is a straightforward philosophy on calling tops and bottoms. Market's bottom when the last seller has sold and markets peak when the last buyer has bought, figuratively speaking at least. When everybody who wants out has already dumped their stocks, that's when the averages stop getting hammered. In practice, what does it mean? All right, it means that peaks tend to happen when you're getting good news and bottoms are accompanied by bad news. According to DeMarc, when an ugly market rallies off of good news... That's typically associated with short covering, and short sellers ringing the register on their positions are very different from longs actually stepping up to purchase a stock. Sound familiar? Once the shorts finish covering, the demand dries up, and it often leads to a sharp decline. Well, that's something we have to worry about. So then the big question is this. Was yesterday the bottom? Is today's rebound for real? Or is this another doomed bounce fueled by short covering that actually represented a one-day bull market? Okay, take a look at this daily chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. DeMarc and his team are famous for identifying moments where a trend exhausts itself. If you want to get into the nitty-gritty of this, go to Symbolic.com, and I'm going to spell that for you. That's S-Y-M-B-O-L-I-K, Symbolic.com, which is DeMarc's cloud-based analytics platform. In February, the Dow initially rocketed higher, right, eventually recording what DeMarc's methodology calls an upside trend exhaustion. Normally, you see this pattern when a rally has run its course, but in this case, we got a rare second upside extension, took the Dow still higher. When you get that kind of extension, historically, it's often a precursor to a panicked meltdown. They were seeing the same thing in the S&P and the NASDAQ at the, at the same time. Uh, the, of course, in mid-February, DeMarc and his team were skeptical that we could be poised for a monster breakdown, but they told their large consulting clients to bet against the market aggressively because you have to stick to your discipline in these situations. In other words, your emotions may have said, hey, listen, we've got great momentum. It's really roaring. But what he's saying is, uh-uh, my discipline says sell, sell, sell. And with a day or, within a day or two of the peak on February 19th, they started making comparisons to the biggest historical meltdown. Could this be 2011? How about a 1987 crash situation? Even a 29 situation when anyone invokes 1929. I always hold my breath. At the time, most of Wall Street was still ridiculously complacent, which is part of the problem. All of DeMarc's upside projections had been fulfilled. Market was consensus was extremely bullish. The charts were screaming at him that the upside was exhausted, though. 
He figured this would be a lot more like 1987. And in the 87 scenario, both the Dow and the S&P plummeted 38.2% from peak to trough. That cuts us uh, to about 18,183 target for the Dow. 2,097 target for the S&P. Hey, let me give you some good news, though. Yesterday, the Dow's intraday lows were only 30 points away from DeMarc's downside target. Meanwhile, his TD sequential model recorded a 13-buy countdown for the Dow. Basically, the same methodology let him call the top is now predicting a bottom. The S&P, though, now this is worth focusing on because the Dow may have hit the level, but the S&P, on the other hand, was still nearly 100 points above its absolute retracement projection, and its TD buy count is only a 10, which means you might have three more ugly closes before a bottom. So is this the right one, or is this the right one? We aren't sure. Yesterday, we were in a weird place where the Dow looked ready to bottom, but the S&P wasn't there yet. The S&P breaks down below DeMarc's target at 2,097, which is down 14.3% from here. Then he can see it plummeting all the way to 1,698. However, he and his team don't expect a confirmed downside breakdown like that. Phew. Where do we go from here? All right, uh, check out this chart of the of S&P 500 right now overlaid on top of the S&P between June and August of 2011 during that debt ceiling fiasco that was just such a nightmare and lost life. Remember, went down 19%, peaked the trough. One more percent, it would have been a bear market. Surveying past bottoms, DeMarc points out that in 1974, 1980, 1987, 2001, 2011, 2016, each bottom had a secondary test. In other words, we bounced from the lows and then came close to revisiting them, which would mean we would roll back what happened today. Based on the history and the current setup, DeMarc's expecting that we stuck in the trading range like 2011, averages bouncing off yesterday's lows for retesting them down the line. You know what? I think that kind of fits, as we have at least another couple weeks of very bad news on the coronavirus front. Hey, maybe uh, it won't take a lockdown of 30 days. Maybe it takes a lockdown of 15, but then maybe there's another wave. You know what I'm talking about. Yesterday, DeMarc and his team told me they were looking for a 10 to 15 percent bounce during this period. Crucially, though, they expect the bounce to be temporary, and that's the emphasis. Boy, were they ever right, just so you know. He had this call yesterday. There was nothing I could do. I... You know, yeah, I, I do. I was jammed yesterday. The down was horrible. But and Tuesdays are is our off the charts day. But I want you to know he nailed this. All right. We already got a fabulous 11 percent game for the Dow. He would have given you that. So but it's too late to trade it. The bottom line, the charts is interpreted by, yes, the legendary, as you know, if he called it yesterday, Tom DeMarc, suggests that the down the S&P 500 came close to bottoming, but there might need to be a bit more capitulation for the declining sauce itself. I think he makes a great point. So don't let today's move make you too exuberant. We still have a lot more bad news to process. And if you have any questions about these charts or the way DeMarc operates, once again, S-Y-M-B-O-L-I-K, symbolic.com, again, Got the call yesterday that he thought that was the bottom. I need to speak to Betsy in Mississippi. Betsy. Hey, hey Jim. Betsy. Thank you for imparting your wisdom. My ah. favorite lesson from Mad Money is panic is not a strategy. Exactly. And it sure wasn't. If you panicked along with everybody yesterday, how can I help? All right. My question involves an infrastructure play. Given the high probability of a recession... With Caterpillar. Well, you know, 19- I'm sorry, but, you know, Betsy, you don't buy cat going into a recession. Now, you do have uh, J- uh, James Umbleby. Jim's a pretty good guy, and the yield is 4%. But what have, what have we learned? Yield does not protect. That's been the lesson of this moment. Can I go to Matt in New Jersey, please, Matt? Hey, Jimmy. Hope you and your family are healthy and well. So We're uh, doing our best. question for you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, everyone is. 
Uh, my quick question here is, so I'm 23 years old, and I've been entering into the market on this downturn. So I was wondering if you know any stocks that I should be looking at that are at a current discount for a long-term investor like myself. I picked up some J.P. Morgan Chase, so I was curious about your thoughts on them as well. Well, look, I, I like J.P. Morgan uh, Chase, but I've got to tell you something, Matt. I'm a fuddy-duddy. You're young. I mean, you're so young, you should be looking at more oriented to growth stocks. Not J.P. Morgan, although I, you know, obviously I think the company's terrific. You should be thinking more about NVIDIA. Maybe even, maybe even Shopify. All right, don't wait. I was really almost tended to pull the trigger for the Chapel Trust. Shopify. I don't want people to get their emotions, uh, get the best of them, okay? I agree with the charts. I think that there could be another pullback, given that this was a short squeeze day. Just like when we have it down, and I don't like it. Going up like this, I really hate it because it fakes people out. Much more mad money ahead. I'm talking the future of work with the CEO of private player Bluescape to see how the coronavirus is changing the workplace. Then I got a list of what I'd like to see happen here. I'm revealing it tonight, and I'm telling you why it can't be business as usual, people. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. stay-at-home economy is here to, um, well, stay, even if today it felt like we were about to be unleashed from our cages. I mean, from our houses. We have so much incredible technology to enable remote work that I bet millions of people keep doing it even once the health emergency comes to an end, and it will come to an end. Which brings me to Bluescape. It's a privately held software company with a very cool platform. Bluescape makes a secure virtual workspace that's collaborative and lets you run all sorts of applications, including video chatting, channels, cloud storage tools, and multimedia-rich software used by the entertainment industry. Doing all this stuff uh, through a single portal is a lot more secure than running a constellation of separate applications, which is what most people are doing right now. And it's all patchwork except for this. Bluescape's found a lot of traction in Hollywood, but lately they've been winning on contracts all over the place. The U.S. airports, Ford Motor, J.P. Morgan, Intel. I think this could be the future. So let's dig deep with Peter Jackson, the CEO of Bluescape, to learn more about his company and the future of the stay-at-home universe. Mr. Jackson, welcome to Mad Money. Jim, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, Peter, i got to tell you, every one of these things that we've been doing about stay-at-home they're nice and they're quaint. And you know what? I'll like them for about another two days. And then I'm sick of them. <laughs> Bluescape seems to be the first thing that I've seen where it may be better than if we were all healthy and great and could get together in one room. Maybe you can explain why that is. I think that the, uh, the origins of things we try to do that are productive in America are that we try to get everybody, as we all say, get on the same page. And I think the problem is, is that we toss around PDFs, files, videos, and they're all on different pages. And generally, if you're in a Zoom meeting or uh, let's say a WebEx meeting, it's one person talking and a lot of people listening. And it's one document that you're sharing that one person created with maybe a couple others. In our particular environment, we're letting everybody work at the same time on a project-by-project basis. And this really helps people uh, that are remote work with a secure platform that is used, as you mentioned, by the federal government and other European governments uh, to do these projects and get things cut so that production time can be cut by 50 or 60 percent. Well, that's incredible. I mean, there's a show that everybody likes that you can watch on Netflix, not just on the network because it's so exciting, which is Blacklist. And one of the things I loved about it, first is they use Bluescape, but then the creator says that, look, you know, he's a Luddite. 
meaning that you don't have to be a genius to use. I was on a Zoom conference call yesterday, and literally half the people were like saying, oh, what do I do? What do I do? I'll call. I mean, it was like a frightening thing because most of the people were 50 and 60. Eventually, we just said, okay, the hell with it. I mean, we were almost willing to get the, you know, expose ourselves. How about the fact that Bluescape doesn't seem to be that hard to use and it, and a show like, uh, that it, that, that, uh, like Blacklist, which everybody loves, is done on it? Well, three things. You know, one, almost every studio uh, in the United States does all their productions in Bluescape. And that starts with, you know, they used to print storyboards and frame in conference rooms and they discuss, you know, what are we doing for garments? What are we doing for casting all the way through the production? Most of these things are made digitally anyway. You know, it's a tree in a rock. And then all the way through distribution in different languages. But to your, to your challenge on uh, sort of this video conferencing that, you know, we did a lot of testing because I'm on Zoom with you now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's working really well. But I've watched you this morning. You work for productivity. You don't work for time. And so I think a lot of this work from home concept, we'll talk about it a little bit, um, is about these productivity tools. But can they be secure? And can you take these documents home and start working them on your VPN? And so when you're talking about that, I'm looking at the degradation. Like you were in there this morning when I got up and every night when I drive home, when I used to drive home, it doesn't take me very long now, I'm watching Mad Money. So you work for productivity and you want that time away from your vehicle to get things done. Well, you know, it's funny. I was watching behind you when we first talked. There's a picture of me saying, oh, I love that stock. And I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how you would you and I be able to collaborate if we had Bluescape where I'd be able to use that and tell you what to do with it? Because it looks like behind you is a Bluescape situation. Yeah, there are three people in that conference call right now. There's supposed to be a fourth, but I this is a far better opportunity for me. Um, but we're, they're working on a project right now for uh, for Ford Motor Company, um, and we're trying to help them because they have uh, employees in China and Mexico, um, and so they're sort of integrating what the workflows will look like uh, when they're, they're when it's applied to let's say marketing or manufacturing for them. And they're probably one of our most explosive customers. But yeah, you would be in there. We did we put that in there five minutes ago. Someone said, "Hey, let's throw a GIF in of uh, of." And there's a few of them out there. We think we picked a good one. Oh, you sure did. Now, we went out to the U.S. Air Force Academy, uh, and it's very clear that what they do there is meant to stay there. In other words, what they do is very, uh, very secure, very private. They're certainly not going to show us parts of it. So I have to believe that they chose Bluescape. I can't hack into Bluescape. Well, we just won one of their top awards. And everything that comes at us is really from a security standpoint. When we go into these sales cycles we have now, uh, which generally would take us about three months because there's so many people involved. They're now turning into like three days. Uh, the first call and the second call is the security people. They don't even want to know about what the right. thing does, and they want to know how we built it. So we built it as a container, not a URL. So it's 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 bundled up. It's encrypted, oh, and it. only the people allowed to get in it can get at it. Some people can't manipulate the data. They can only read it. Uh, and now you're sizing up who's doing what, because there's always that person who complains to do the most and do, does the least. Well, now you can run an AI under this and go, hey, by the way, Junior, you're not doing anything. The quietest person in the room, the different language. Right. This is perfect for the military. But as we move to commercial use, it, there's, you don't want to have what happened to Sony when North Korea got a hold of their movies. You, we have to make sure that we have a platform in the world today 
that makes people be able to work more productively, faster, that involves everybody. This is a brilliant program. I got to admit that it really is. I didn't even know it existed until we booked you. I want to congratulate you, Peter Jackson, CEO of Bluescape, for what I think is a solution that will last past COVID. Nice to meet you, sir. Hey, not booyah, booyah! <laughs> booyah, I'll take it. Man, buddy's back after the break. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy, time for the lightning round. Chris, I'm going to start with Angelo in Illinois. Angelo. Mr. Kramer. Yes. Thank you for being the voice of reason in uncertain times. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tell my wife. What's up? Uh, J&J, what are you doing? No, you buy J&J. My travel trust owns it. Why? Because it's a triple-A balance sheet, the best there is in America, run by a guy named Alex Gorski, who may be one of the best CEOs that doesn't have a lot of economics in Cali. Yes, it's true that if you have Nike and it's up 18 and it does have cyclicality, you'll say, what am I doing with that dog J&J? But that's all right. Every dog has its day, and this one's had many. Let's go to Chris in Tennessee. Chris. Hey, Jim. Hey, Chris. Jim. First-time caller, long-time listener. Oh, great, Chris. Wanted to know what you think about buying um, Delta Airlines. I am not a fan of the airlines. Why am I not a fan of the airlines? Because right now, they got to have people go on their planes. And uh, they seem to be having a problem doing that. So why court that? Uh, If you want to do it for trade, the trade was yesterday. How about Eric in Wisconsin? Eric. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Lots of discussion this week around companies that offer products considered to be affordable luxury. What are your thoughts on L Brands? L Brands is in the mall. And I think that that's the last area that's going to recover if it does recover. So, I mean, if I'm going to be want to be in a mall stock, I would pick Williams-Sonoma. I think they're better at it. Let's go to Jerry in Texas. Jerry. Hey, Jim. This is Jerry down in Round Rock, Texas. How's it hey, going Jerry, today? Hey, Jerry. Wow. We got Good. Dell. Right. What's going on? Well, I have one of those infamous two-part questions. Two parts. Two parts. Iron Mountain, what do you think? I, I like Iron Mountain. I think it's a very steady business. We've all used it. I think it's good. What's the What's the second part? Oh, that's it. Okay. Well, anyway, I like Iron Mountain. You know what? You know where we're going to go? We're going to go to my home state. We're going to Jack in New Jersey. Jack! Hey, Jim. How's it going? Could be better. How about you? Global. Which one? Dine Brands Global. Oh, Dine Brands. All right, Dine Brands had a remarkable move already. It's up gigantically just today. I happen to like the concept, but I would not buy this stock up six. I think you got to wait till it comes down. Let's go to George in Vermont. George. Hello, Jim. Hello from Hardwick. Hey, man, we need... I'm sorry, we need masks in, in Vermont hospitals. We need gowns in Vermont hospitals. And the president should go and read it, the real tea leaves about what's going on in this country. We need the masks. We need the gowns. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was calling about uh, my wife and I like to speculate. And uh, we wanted to buy OM and Minor, OMI. We think they're going to be selling that the That is a speculation I like. A little five-smacker speculation involves uh, some supplies for hospitals. I say buy. I like it. Boy, they have a lot of debt, though. And 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Suddenly, suddenly, all sorts of people are talking about how we need to can social distancing so that America can reopen for business. We're told it's not worth the hit to the economy, even if it saves lives. They couldn't be more wrong. As someone who lives in the single most impacted neighborhood in the country, Brooklyn, I am not in favor of business as usual. Believe me, you want these people locked down. The idea we can restart the economy by relaxing the quarantine efforts, it's a false choice. Yeah, social distancing is bad for business. But you know what? Even worse for business, just letting everybody get the coronavirus. Remember, we have no natural immunity to this thing. So let me tell you what I think needs to happen here. First, we we have to crush this virus the same way they crushed it in China and South Korea. How do you do that? National lockdown. Nobody can leave their homes for 30 days except for essential personnel. I know it sounds extreme. Believe me, my daughter, who lives in Madrid, is getting a real dose of it, replete with a spare trip to the supermarket, of course, accompanied by the policeman. But if we want to beat COVID-19, I mean, just really stop it. That's how we do it. The more aggressive we are about containing this pandemic, the sooner it ends. Second, we aren't sure about the efficacy of this malaria drug we keep hearing about, but we do have some early evidence that if you give it to people early, well, they have a much better chance of recovery. So why not produce giant stockpiles of stuff? You know what I would do? I would tell those damn pharmaceutical companies who brought us the opioid epidemic that they now have responsibility to manufacture these potential coronaviruses uh, treatments, no matter where they are, no matter how they find them. We want them making it. But please don't take the stuff without the supervision of a doctor. It has potentially lethal side effects. It's arrhythmia if you get the dosing wrong. Just a fact of life. Third, Kevin Johnson, the CEO of Stark, this morning on Squawk on the Street, challenged executives to hold off on laying anybody, anybody for at least 30 days while we wait for the federal bailout money. He's having a lot of success with this at Starbucks. We should all try to emulate him. I know we are with my enterprises. Fourth, without more ventilators, lots of people are going to die. That's why we need to do everything in our power to get more of everything we need. I agree with Mark Benioff, CEO of Salesforce, when he says that President Trump should call Chairman Xi. And ask him for surplus ventilators and gowns, masks for that matter, because China's already beaten the scourge. Their new cases are imported, as they like to say. You know, I want the United States to wean itself off of Chinese manufacturing anywhere we can. I probably have the strongest, strongest view on that other than maybe Peter Navarro, the president's trade representative. We need to get back in the business of making. No, I'm stronger than he is on this stuff. Making things ourselves. But for the moment, we need all the help we can get. Still, let's fix the supply chain issues, too. We get too many essential medications from China. It's outrageous. Do you know that Puerto Rico used to be the pill-making capital of the United States? Time to bring it back to Puerto Rico. They need the jobs. Hey, you know what? Let's make the mass here. You ever hear we, you ever notice they never say, yeah, and we've got a factory here and a factory here? Uh-uh. Bring them home. Fifth, really obvious. Where the heck is the military? Nobody's more dedicated or more able than the military. By the way, no one's more respected either. Yet they've only been called in piecemeal by a couple of governors. I think we should task a general, a general who knows logistics and supply, to run this whole shooting match. Do you know the Army has 125,000 medical professionals? This is their time to shine. Let sick people convalesce on military bases. Have the Army Corps of Engineers build field hospitals all over the country the way the Chinese did, but faster and better. 
This is a national crisis. We need to treat it like one. Listen, I'm sick and tired of being told that we can't handle the situation as well as China because it's authoritarian or South Korea because they had SARS. Yes, our response was late. Hey, that's okay. That's the past. I don't care where things were. I care where they're going. Yes, we got a real problem. But come on, we're the wealthiest, most powerful and greatest country on Earth. We have incredible resources. We can beat this thing if we're willing to put all of us, especially the military, which knows how to do this better and faster than any one of us. We can beat it. Stick with Kramer. Tomorrow night on CNBC at 7 Eastern, a CNBC town hall, the pandemic and the path forward. A look at the future of companies, workers, investors, and healthcare. Gary Cohn joins us for the hour. So will Mark Cuban, plus NASDAQ CEO Adina Friedman and Dr. Scott Gottlieb. And we want to hear from you. Send us your questions on Twitter to hashtag CNBC Path Forward. That's tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern on CNBC. A lot of people like Nike tonight. Talk about a path forward. Maybe that's it. I like to say there's always a bull market summer. I promise I'll try to find it for you just right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Markets and Turmoil starts right now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.